Y'all didn't tell him, did you? He, he doesn't know that these people have gathered here this morning because this is an intervention. <laughs> Probably appropriate. All right, so we're going to go around and kind of share. Good. I appreciate that. <laughs> morning. Morning. As um, you heard a little bit about, I, I'm, I'm from the South. I live in, uh, in Los Angeles now and went to school in Texas. And I get back here, and just people are normal. I just, I don't know what to do with it, except for Julie. She's, you know. It is good to be here. And you know what? It's good to be walking across the stage. I have been, um, I don't know if I shared this with you guys. Um, I've been in a wheelchair for the, most of the last three years, about two and a half years. And now three surgeries later, and I'm walking again. So, very thank you, God. But if y'all ever need one, it is a great weight gain plan. <laughs> if you sit for three years, it's, it's unbelievable. So, you know, we're talking about growth and life change and all that. And I just thought I'd start with um, letting you know that I know how hard that is. Because I, 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 I think I gained like 35 pounds during that time. And... Um, I've lost 22 of it, I think. Now and I'm up and around again. But just to kind of share the story with you, I got, you know, I go back into this and I get on my program, right? I got, because I was trying to make myself do it and I wasn't doing it, I wasn't doing it. I was motivated, I wanted to do it, I wanted to do it, and then I'm not doing it. And I was reading one of those stupid books I write and what it said, (laughs) what it said was if there's something you really want to do, and you're not doing it. And you really want to do it. And you're really motivated and you're still not doing it. I was reading there. He says, you're not going to do it. And I said, well, that's depressing. And, and so I keep reading though. And it says, if, but if you reach outside of yourself, there's hope. And you can get help. So I call the gym and I hire a trainer. Did I tell you all this story yesterday? And, 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 I hired, and they assigned me this young, mean, skinny woman. And I got going there at 6.30 in the morning with Lululemon, and she is, like, working me. But I'm proud of myself because I'm back. And I'm going, I'm going three times a week and hammering it, and I'm really, I'm so proud of myself. And, and, and I've been going for a while at this one. My wife says, like, three weeks, but it seemed like forever. And then one, in this morning, in that morning I'm saying, she's working my core or whatever that is and then I stopped and I looked at her and she goes what I said we forgot to take the before pictures (laughs) you know she looked at me and she says oh we still can (laughs) so I say that to say you know I'm gonna be your shrink this morning and if you're trying to change something in life, I, I get it. You know, it takes a little while. I, and I, I am a psychologist by training, and so I wanted to give some of you the chance to do something you've been wanting to do for a while, and that is turn to the person you came with and look them in the eye say, you got issues. <laughs> Just tell them, all right. So now, 
Now we're going to hop into some of those. Um, you know, we do have issues. All of us have issues. And I was talking to somebody about parenting yesterday, and, and they were talking about, you know, struggle with their kids. And, and I go, well, you know, don't, don't feel bad. God's kids didn't turn out that great either. <laughs> you know, just, just look around. You know, you know, God said in Genesis, he, he was sorry that he made us. He was heartbroken, which gets us to today's topic, which is, have you ever felt let down by someone? Have you ever felt betrayed? Like you depended on somebody in some significant relationship, be it personal or business, and you lean on them, as we just heard, and you get betrayed or let down. What is that? It's the most important thing we have in life, and that's something called trust. So we're going to unpack trust here for a moment and how it works and the dynamics of it. The Bible teaches and science always affirms that we are basically, when we talk about trust, it is the most important mechanism that we have as humans. Why is that? Because trust fuels life. We can't live without trust. How many of you have been breathing recently? <laughs> like in the last minute. You know why you've been breathing? And you've been careless about it. You haven't even guarded yourself. The reason is your entire system, all the way down your spinal cord, in your gut, in your very cells, your neurobiology, everything is wired 24-7. You ask, your system asks the question, am I safe? And by the millisecond, what's happened is your system has determined the air is safe to breathe. And you draw life from outside of yourself. Because we're not the creator. Every human, even though we want to be God, we're not self-sustaining. We have to get life from outside of ourselves. And the system is always trying to figure out, can I trust to take in what I need from the outside world, even like we do with air? But you know, some people, you talk about trust... Or like a man I, I sat next to on a plane. Um, I was doing some research on this, and, and he looks over and he says, so what are you working on? I said, well, I'm researching trust. And he goes, <laughs> he said, I don't trust anybody. I said, really? He said, absolutely not. He said, I learned a long time ago, you, you can't trust people. You just can't trust people. He said, I don't trust anybody. The only person I trust is myself. I said, well, you know, I'm a psychologist, and you're crazy. And he said, what do you mean? I said, literally, you're psychotic. You know, the definition of that word is out of touch with reality, and you are psychotic. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, look out the window. You're 43,000 feet. Did you get yourself up here? Don't tell me you don't trust anybody. And how do you know the guy who put fuel in this plane wasn't loading it up with chocolate milk? You don't know that, do you? <laughs> 
you had to depend on somebody. You had to trust. I said, but I've never heard anybody say what you just said that hasn't been wounded in some way in a personal or significant maybe business relationship. So I want to hear your story. And he started to unpack it. And you know, the sad thing is, when you hear his story, you can see how in the areas where he does trust, like getting on an airplane, life works. But in the areas, other areas of his life, particularly in relationships, there was a trail of pain. Because trust is everything. We're wired from the moment we come into the, into the world, you've got all these chemicals that are going through your, your brain as an infant. I was sharing with the mothers yesterday that, that a baby basically is on a drug trip with oxytocin and other chemicals that are bonding chemicals that make you move in and lean towards and open up and trust. And as they connect with the mother, the mother in that dyad, they are having the same drug trip and they move towards one another and they trust. And that's a good thing because then they can take in the love they need to grow. Now, the problem is that drug trip doesn't go away because we're all wired for trust. And the problem is that little girl gets to be 20-something and she's at a party, and she's talking to all these great guys over here, and, and most of them have jobs, and, and, you know, any of them would be good, and they're fine, honest, upstanding young men, but nothing's happening in her heart until she looks across the room. And her heart starts pitter-patting. For this guy over there, she hadn't even met him, but she's in love. And she runs across the room, and, and they meet. And she instantly, on this drug trip, falls in love and gives this guy her life. She hasn't even met his parole officer yet. <laughs> See, that's the problem with trust, that whatever, whatever happened to her or whatever she did, that we can have patterns and blind spots, too, that we trust sometimes the wrong people. Because we're wired to trust. So what I want to talk about this morning is I want to give you a little bit of a map. I'm going to give you five objective things that we know that the heart and the brain should be working together when we trust somebody in business or in our personal lives. And when those go together, chances are much greater that things are going to turn out well. Because it gets broken. I got called into a company one time, um, you would know the name, it's a global entity. And the CEO and the board were getting divide, had gotten divided, and particularly the chairman and the CEO. And it was about to blow up, and so they called this emergency retreat, and we fly off somewhere and lock ourselves in a hotel. And so, you know, it started out, it was tense, but cordial. And so I got, Everybody did, you know, let's make sure we're starting with the same set of facts and know where we are. And then people started to asking them questions. And so the CEO was, was talking, and then the chairman was talking, and the chairman was talking, and they 
we're kind of going back and forth a little bit, and it, 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 all of a sudden, the chairman of the board sits back after the CEO said what he said, sits back, turns, looks at the room, and closes his portfolio. And he looks at the board, and he says, I'm done here. I'm done. Good luck. You guys can have it. And he gets up to walk out. Now, everybody knew what that meant. That would have set into motion a chain of events you'd have read in the newspapers would have affected hundreds of thousands of lives and gazillions of dollars. And he was, he was going to pull the plug. So he gets up and he starts walking the door. I didn't know what to do, except I knew this was bad. <laughs> so for some reason, I get up and I run in front of him and I sit down in front of the door. And he gets the door, and he, he, I, said, I said, if you walk out that door, you will have put into motion a chain of events that can't be undone. You can do that, but I'm just going to ask you, would you have a seat? Just sit down here with me for a minute. And I guess when a crazy person tells you something, you do what they say, right? <laughs> so this guy is very powerful business icon he sits down and he's looking at me like what what and I, and the board's over there like this right and I said um, tell me something when he does what he just did point to the CEO what he just did to you what he said what's what's that like for you what does that make you feel and he looks at me and all of a sudden his chin starts to quiver. And he starts to talk and he could struggle to get the words out. And he talked about and how that is for him and how it's been like that for a year and, and how it makes him feel. And, you know, I, I've given up. I, I've tried, you know, all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I see the, CEO get up and he walks over and sits down on the floor and he puts his arm over on the chairman's shoulder and he said I never knew that I made you feel that way he says the last thing I would want to do and I said to the board can you give us the room and we sat there for about an hour and a half and then we called them back in and those two men stood up and said, I think we can, we can go forward. What that illustrates, now there was a lot of work to be done between those two, but what it illustrates was the very, is the very first foundational element of trust and that is we begin to trust someone when we feel like they understand us, like they get it, they've heard us. We think we understand somebody when we understand them, and when we understand them, then we try to start persuading them. But that's not understanding somebody, 
And you're never going to persuade people into trusting you first. Understanding somebody is not when you understand their position or what they think or this, that, and the other. And you can try to remember this phrase. It's when they understand that you understand. When they get it, that you got it. When you've had them know that you really hear where they're coming from, what they're feeling. And it doesn't matter how crazy it is. If you're going to persuade them to give up craziness, you got to be hand in hand. You're not going to be hand in hand if they don't feel like you've heard them. And the Bible says this, he who gives an answer before he listens, before he understands, is a fool and it is a folly and a shame. That's what the book of Proverbs says about listening to each other first. And there's neurochemical and biochemical and psychological and emotional and physiological reasons for this. That the mirror neurons that God gave us when somebody is with us and they're getting what we're saying and what we're feeling, the whole system begins to let down. Understanding is number one. Why do you think Jesus said that to stand up on the mountain, Moses, and tell, persuade these people to be good <laughs> didn't work? That's what the Bible says. That the persuasion of God telling us what's right and wrong, that didn't help. In fact, Paul says in the book of Romans, it was useless. It was powerless to change us. Religion doesn't change anybody. What changed us is when Jesus came down to where we are and became one of us and said, I get you. And he got betrayed and he was tempted in everything and he got rejected and he got beat up and his own people, his own, didn't even, wouldn't, and Peter denied, I mean, everything that could happen to us, he gets it and we can trust somebody who really gets it. But we have to do that for each other. I told you I got a knee replacement and um, or two knee replacements. And when I was having the first one, I, I, I fell out on Santa Monica Pier. I hit the dirt one day and they had to take me to the emergency room. The pain was so bad. And so I go looking for the surgeon. And I go to the first surgeon that's, that's recommended and he looks at my x-rays and all that. And he says, um, he says, yeah, you need a total knee replacement. He, he walks in, he looks at him and goes, yeah, you, dude, you need a new knee. You need a total knee. He said, he said, and he literally said, I really do understand this. This is what I do. And anybody tells you any differently, they're wrong. You got to have a new knee. So let's schedule it if you want to. And um, I got to go. He walked out. Now, I don't know where he went to bedside manor school, <laughs> but somebody's going to amputate my leg. He's like, give me a cookie or something, right? <laughs> And there was something that didn't feel right about that. So a friend of mine refers me to another surgeon, and he calls me. And he said, so, yeah, Fred told me to have some things with your knee. And so I, I emailed him the MRIs, and while we're on the phone, the MRI and the x-rays, he looks at him, and he says, good night. He says, how are you walking around? He said, tell me about this. He said, Where, where's the pain? When does it start? How does it build? How's it affecting you? And he just kept asking questions. 
And all of a sudden, I feel like, I like this guy better. <laughs> and he says, yeah, you know, it's pretty straightforward. He said, I do think we need to, to replace this. So now I'm ready to go because I got doctor understanding, right? I'm trusting. Let's go do this. All right, but what happens if we think understanding is all we need? No, the Bible talks about some other factors as well. Because then I had gone to another one before him because I went to and interviewed three of them. He understood me and he was empathic about my pain, all this. And, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, after talking to me for a second, emotions and all these residents come in that he's training at this big, you know, one of the big teaching hospitals in L.A., and he, he says, you know, come, come over here. And he's showing him my knee. He said, now, see this muscle right here? And what we're doing, you know that paper we're writing in that conference? You know, I got you. And all of a sudden, it's all about him and his program and his residence and his research and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, hey, there's a patient down here. <laughs> because the second element of trust had been broken, which is Motive. I started to sense his motive, his intent. It was really all about him and the things he was interested in. And he didn't have a lot of motive about me and what I needed. Certainly he was going to help me, but you could tell it really was about him. And you know in relationships when we feel like the relationship is all about the other person or either, even the communication is all about the other person, trust begins to move back because we know we're an object for their purposes. Instead of a separate person that, as Jesus said, they are, have the intent, the motive to treat you like they would want to be treated. That as Philippians says, they look out not merely for their own interests, but also for the interests of others. It's it's, it's a husband who's often, his buddy says, I hate it when this happens. His buddy says, let's go play golf on Saturday or let's go hunting or let's go do something, you know, that matters. That was a joke. It's okay. Because <laughs> you also got a wife and family and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It's the difference in, said, yeah, let's go do it. And the husband that says, God, I, I, I want to. Let me think, what does she have going on that day? What do we have planned? How's that going to affect her? Who's going to take care of the kids? Or when a team at work, they get a new, you know, a new deal they're going to sign. We see this all the time. Sales, sales departments out there selling features that R&D's got to actually make. <laughs> And they are going to miss a product launch if they're not having in their head what do they need and taking what they need into consideration and it not being all about me. A marriage, a family, a team, a company, anything breaks down when it turns to all be about one person and their needs. So the second element of trust is, is their motive, are they for me as much as they're for themselves? Well, the doctor I ended up going with, Dr. Understanding, who said, you know, I, 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 a friend was telling me, you, 
you're a competitive golfer and you played in college and been playing ever since in tournaments. And he says, we got to get you back on the golf course. He said, I want to see you, you know, I want to play with you. I want to see this, this tournament schedule get back ramping up. And, I, and, and he said, and you got two girls in college? And I, he, I said, yeah. He goes, you got to be traveling with it. I want to see you walking. Come on. And then you're going to have grandkids. I said, hey, dude, slow down. They're only like, <laughs> they're in college. But I could tell he was for me. It wasn't all about him. That's when we start to lean in further. So now I got doctor understanding with a good motive. I'm ready to trust, right? Everybody ready to go to surgery? And then what if he says, you know what? I'm so, I hate this pain for you. We're going to fix it and, and your life's going to get better. He said, but personally, I'm really excited to do your knee replacement because I'm an OB-GYN and I've never done one of these. <laughs> I said, uh, doc, it's going to open a little attention on a different area of the body there. The third thing is competency, ability. Are they able to deliver what I'm entrusting to them? Because we can fall in love with nice, good people and just trust them because they're good people. But are they good for what, in that context, I'm going to be trusting them for? We've got to look at their abilities. And the Bible says you sin somebody without the ability that can pull it off on a mission and it's like a broken tooth just going to get let down with a lot of pain a friend of mine called me and said I need some advice and I said what he said my daughter's boyfriend called and he wants to take me to dinner he said I know what this means I think he's going to ask me for her hand he said what do you say at that dinner I said, well, I got two daughters. I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> he said, what? And I said, I'm going to listen to him and say, you know, I know y'all have had a good relationship so far, and it sounds good. I want to get together next week, and I want you to bring me your last two years' tax returns and your credit report. <laughs> and my friend starts laughing like you guys are. He goes, yeah, yeah, right. You're gonna. I said, I'm not joking. He said, that is terrible. I said, why? He said, it's so intrusive, such an invasion of his privacy. I said, I don't care what the numbers are. If he wants to be private, white them out. I just want to know. I want him to bring his tax returns and his credit report. I don't care what the numbers are. I just want to know, can he find them? Do they exist somewhere? Did he file them? And his credit report is going to tell me, and I know everybody can have a bad season. There's a narrative that can explain that. But what if it's bad like forever and there's no narrative other than this is a young man that doesn't fulfill commitments that he's made to people and can't control his impulses and overspends and can't look down the road about money? Who cares about money? Jesus said the real treasures are not money, and you're asking me to give him my daughters? Does he have the ability to make a marriage work? The competencies, past charm, and can he communicate? Can he resolve conflict? 
Can he manage a household? Can he manage himself? And then all the time, I'm, you know, I've got awesome dysfunctional friends. I love them. <laughs> but I don't want to go into business with all of them. So we got to look at the ability. Can they pull off in the context? I mean, he could be a great boyfriend. And he might be Mr. Right, but he might be Mr. Not Right Now. You know, I see companies do this all the time. They'll take like a COO and promote them to CEO. And it doesn't work. And they'll say, we don't understand. He was such a great COO. And I said, but where'd he get the E? The CEO has different competencies and abilities, so we better start to build those. And then you'll see this great COO turn into a great CEO, maybe. But there's certain skills and abilities. You can be an OB-GYN and can't do a knee replacement. All right, so now he tells me, and I find out, this guy really did have the ability. He ended up, he was president of American Joint Replacement Surgeons, and he invented, actually, a lot of the devices. He owns the patents for, and he has a lab with a PGA Tour on knee replacements and golfers. So I got my guy, right? Not so fast. What if he says, you know, I got a, the operating room has a theater. You can actually watch me do one. I'm going to do one in about an hour. You can go watch me amputate a guy's leg and hammer crap into it and what if you did that and you go in there, yeah, I want to watch one, and you're watching in the theater and Dr. Understanding and Dr. Good Motive and Dr. Competent starts to cut this guy's and then they take the saw and, and then all of a sudden he goes, oh no, he's bleeding, oh no, and he runs out of the operating room. <laughs> Not my doctor. The fourth one, do they have the makeup of character to pull off what I need them to pull off. And I'm not talking about just character of lie, cheat, and steal. And my daughters were six years old. They knew not to lie, cheat, and steal. But they didn't have the personal makeup to run a company or to replace a knee or to go through a crisis. And this doesn't mean good or bad. People, we're talking about for what I'm going to entrust to them do they have the makeup? I had a brother-in-law who was a Navy SEAL. Um, we lost him in Iraq in 08. And Mark was incredible. He was the first, first my first uh, brother-in-law, the one I never had, brother I never had. I think he was my first the timeline there. No, he was my second, actually. Second brother. I'm laughing because the other yo-yo is sitting out here, right here. My. <laughs> hey, guys. I look down. There, there's my other brother-in-law. And Mark, as Ryan could, could tell you, Mark was amazing. These Navy SEALs are crazy. We'd, we'd go out together and say, tell us a Mark story. What'd you do? Come back from deployment. Oh, we were at 40,000 feet and jumped out of plane in full scuba gear and went through the oxygen level and hit the ocean, went down at the bottom, took a nap for a few minutes. And <laughs> then six of us boarded one of Saddam Hussein's ships and 
took it down, turned it around, threw the bad guys off the back, and ate breakfast. <laughs> now, talking about makeup, if the bad guys are coming after me, I'm going to trust Mark to go get him. If I'm going through the dark night of the soul and need a shoulder to cry on, I'm not calling Mark. He's going to say, what's wrong with you? Let's go have some beers. and Come on, you wimp, let's come. Maybe I need a little empathy or a little different kind of person in that context. But then I got some, because Mark actually did their wedding and in their premarital counseling, he and Sarah both flunked the empathy scale. <laughs> and the pastor's going, which one of you is going to be nice in this? <laughs> and they're laughing and they had a great marriage, but... but Sometimes we need different things from somebody. But my nice, caring, you know, put your arm around you and cry with you, friends. I'm not calling that wuss to take the bad guy out. <laughs> and maybe you're in a company and there's so, you got a turnaround situation and you want to, there's somebody that's a high performer and you want to put them in that chair, but then you realize they need a lot of attaboys and a lot of good feedback and all that. And there's not going to be any good news for a year. That's not the one you send on that project. Or the babysitter you hire or the friend, who, whatever it is. See, trust has context to it. But now I found out my doctor caring, uh, empathy doctor, good motive doctor, competent doctor, also has great character and a great makeup. And I go, okay, I'm going with you. He said, good, let's go schedule it. And we walk out of the exam room and walking into the, to the front office to schedule it. And there's this body line in the hallway. And it's kind of gray and blue. The guy's dead in the hallway. And I stop, turn to the doctor and say, what, 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 why is he? He goes, yeah, I did his knee last week. It didn't turn out so well. Fifth thing is, what happened last time I trusted? Or what happened last time this person was trusted to do this? The fifth one is, what's the track record? And see, our minds build maps. When a kid goes in to talk to mom or dad about a problem or even confess something, and they get yelled at or screamed at or how could you do this or controlled or whatever. Their mind's building a map and the next time they have a problem, they go, what happened to that? Well, I'm not gonna talk to them. Or when a spouse tries to tell the other spouse something about whatever, we're building maps. What happened the last time I made myself vulnerable with you? And we're always building maps. And we can trust patterns. Now, we can all have problems, and we can have a bad day, and the good thing about a pattern, a track record, is you can have a bad day, and somebody goes, gosh, I wonder what's wrong with Dad today. That's not like him. As opposed to, you know what he's like. See, that's a different deal. We can all overcome mistakes if we have a track record of a pattern that people can depend on. So the best predictor of the future is always the past. 
Now, that doesn't mean if somebody screws up, it's over, but it does mean that until they get a new past, <laughs> until they start to show faithfulness and ability and a little bit of a new track record that we're slow to trust. Forgiveness is free. It has to do with what happened yesterday. And somebody says, I'm sorry, we forgive. But sorry doesn't buy trust. And people do this all the time. I'm sorry, I won't ever do it again. Okay, I'll trust you. Well, I don't know. How big was it? I accept you're sorry and you're forgiven. And forgiveness is free, but trust has got to be earned. And the Bible says, he's faithful and little will be given more. And I'll close with this. It's a good illustration of track record. Tori and I were down in South Louisiana before your GPS was on your phone, visiting some friends down in the swamplands. And we're driving through the bayous and don't know how to get there. We have an address. We pull in to a gas station. I walk in and ask the lady, I say, hey, can you tell me how to get to this address? She goes, oh, yeah. You just keep going down this road a little ways, about, I don't know how far. Yeah, about that far, about, you know, a little ways down here and and you'll see a, a a German shepherd lying in the grass and you turn right right where that dog's lying in the grass and it'll be down on your left that's my directions I'm gonna turn where there's a dog in the grass can't you give me a like a sign that doesn't chase cats or something it's a she said oh he'll be there I said what if, he, she goes he'll be there said, all right, so we get in the car, and we drive down the road through three, four miles. All of a sudden, there's a dog lying in the grass. We turned right, and we found it. How'd she know that dog was going to be there? Dog had a track record. He's been there every day for the last 10 years. <laughs> we want people to feel that way about us. Oh, he'll show up in the way I need him to. She'll show up in the way I need her to. And then we'll let him amputate our legs because <laughs> we trust him. So God's given you this ability. You're wired for it, and you're wired in two directions. You're wired for someone who's bigger than you. And the only one who's bigger than us is the one that made us, and that's God. And he came down, Jesus came to earth to show us that he understands he's for our good. He died for us. He's competent and can pull everything off that we need to be pulled off. He has the character and the makeup of love and strength and everything we need. And he has a track record. So we can trust him. And in our human relationships and even churches, God says, love and trust deeply, but be careful. Because there are wolves in sheep's clothing. And you'll know them by their fruits. So hopefully these five areas of fruits will give you something to look at as your future son-in-law invites you to dinner. <laughs> Let's pray. Father... <clears throat> we come to you this morning and first of all just lift up your name thank you thank you that we can call you father and thank you that you have shown your trustworthiness and God I pray for situations represented in this room of broken relationships 
And I pray that you give them hope, God, that as each side of that relationship can begin to look at the areas that we've talked about to begin to understand one another and be for one another and listen and that things can be turned around. And I pray for you to enter into marriages right now and business relationships and we pray for your healing path with kids and parents, siblings. Trust is your great gift, God, and I pray that you spread it out in large measure throughout this room and help us to be the kind of people that others can trust as well. In Jesus' name, amen.